You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjax.com. We are in this overwhelmed series. Today's overwhelmed word is patience. I stink at this. Patience and endurance. The scripture I found is in Colossians 1, 9 to 14. I'm going to read that a little bit in a, in a minute, but I'm not going to put it on the wall yet. But I'm going to read that in a minute. But I want to start with this reality. Understanding the backstory of where people are and where they've come from will help us to be patient with them, will help us to endure. Okay, an example of this is uh, a few weeks ago, I had a parent come into, uh, into my office concerned that their, their daughter, who loves the Lord, has been on missions with the, with the Lord, was dating a non-believer, okay? Pretty seriously dating a non-believer. And they were concerned, uh, you know, as any parent, I think, would be who, who wants their daughter to be, to be linked and to be yoked with someone with an equal heart and passion and desire for life and to continue life with. So they came in, and they were, they didn't say this, but it came out. I kind of identified with them a little bit. And they, they were, they were uh, not only concerned and worried, but a little angry at the situation that, 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 that they found themselves in, and, 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 and kind of mad at the, at the boy, you know, because they're not going to be mad at their daughter, you know, disappointed a little bit, but not really, because they love their daughter, but, but kind of like having a, a, a real struggle with, with loving him, with caring for him, and, and knowing how to handle it, and we talked about it, and uh, we prayed about it together, and um, he ended up coming to church to River City Church, and uh, it, it comes from an, an atheist family, a background of no God, and uh, sat in the back the whole time, and this person, this father, came forward and received prayer, and just felt compelled to go back and pray for him, not lay hands on him or any freaky-deaky thing that's going to scare him more, you know, but he just sat behind him and began to pray for him, okay, and this boy, this college student who was an atheist, who had a, an atheist family who was discouraging him and, and, and saw that if you believed in God, it was a sign of weakness. This boy was sitting there and the father, whose daughter was dating him, just began to pray for him, didn't touch him, didn't do anything, began to pray for him that he would encounter the spirit. And all of a sudden, it was at the end of worship, this boy just started sobbing and sobbing and sobbing as he experienced God's love for him as he experienced the Holy Spirit, as he experienced, and he, and, and he began to, it turns out, repent of relationships that he had been in that were not healthy and not good, and, and, and they had this major encounter with God, all because God changed the Father's perspective of how to be patient and endure and to trust and to pray for and love this enemy <laughs> of his daughter. It was an amazing story. Amazing story. I say that because when we read the scripture, I'm going to go back, we're going to start with the end of it to give us perspective of where we've come from and where people are so that we can be better at enduring and being patient with them. Okay? Endurance is this. It implies not easily succumbing under suffering. A lack of endurance often results in despondency or losing heart. So when we don't endure, we give up, okay? We just give up. 
But when, when, when we do endure, when there's suffering, there's hardship, there's trial, we, we endure and we stay in it. Trusting God. Okay, patience is different from that, though. Patience means self-restraint, which does not hastily retaliate. A lack of patience often leads to wrath or revenge. So when we lose our patience, we strike out. When we lose our patience, we engage instead of trusting God. You see the difference in the two? We need both, but there's a difference in those. And again, the, the, the point of the Overwhelm series is this. Until we've experienced God's overwhelming love, joy, and peace, and patience with us, until we understand how patient God has been with us, from the depths of which he has rescued us, there is no way we will be able to be patient or endure with other people. It's impossible. We cannot do it in our own strength, our own ability. Okay? I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you with the scripture where we've come from, and it will empower you to be patient and endure with other people. Let's read First Colossians, I mean Colossians 1, First Colossians, like there's two, all right. All right. And so, from the day we heard, this is Paul praying for the church, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. This is the best, this might be one of the best verses in all scripture. This is where we're going to begin today. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. When we were going ape crazy today in worship, this is what we were singing about. When we talk about people being drawn out of a cave, this is what we're singing about. We're singing about this reality, this transfer, this transfer that's occurred between us and God. That, that he has rescued us. He has delivered us out of the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now we hear that, we read that, and we kind of think, yeah, 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 I know that. Okay, yeah, I know. But I don't think we really know. Because if we really understood where we've come from and what's been done for us, we would, we would show patience to people who are existing in this condition still, in the domain of darkness, that is, is unbelievable. They are in a hopeless state. And so I want to unpack this last verse because it gives context to the first verses of the scripture, which is where we spend most of the time. Most of the scripture, when we hear it taught, is how do I please the Lord? How do I bear fruit? I got to do this. I got to do that because if I want the Lord to really be pleased with me. But I think what Paul is doing, he's saying, if you only understood, if you only understood, if you had a grasp of the depths, of the darkness, of the domain that you have been rescued from, the price that it cost him, you would gladly endure and be patient and strengthened in the spirit and to seek to orient all of your life around that reality. And so we see this. It says that God delivers us. 
And we think, oh yeah, I know, like he rescues me. Like, like a firefighter would rescue me from a fire. But the fire is hell. And God is the fireman. And he comes in and he rescues me to safety. I mean, that's partially true. But when we really look at what's happening here, is that God doesn't just rescue you. He rescues you unto himself, is what it says. Is what that word means. He delivers you, not just from harm's way, but he, he, he delivers you from evil into the glorious light, from evil into his presence. And so we don't go just from being unsafe to being, or from being in the fire to being unsafe. We are delivered from being in the fire of death, going to die forever, eternal history, to in the presence of the arms of our loving father. That's what's happening there. So when we go to the scripture and we go look back up and it says to live in a way that's pleasing to him and to walk and to bear fruit, the wrong question, the question you would never ask someone who has saved you unto himself is, are you pleased with me? I killed my son for you to rescue you unto myself. And you ask me the question, are you pleased? Pleased, child? There's no way. That's what Paul could be getting at here if we understand the context and the reality that as his children, he is always pleased with us. And it has nothing to do with the fruit that we bear. The dominion, the dominion of darkness, or the domain, I mean, this gets a little scary. This word domain here, it means that the person operating in this domain has full authority, is able to do so without hindrance, has been given permission, has given the right to have authority and the might to enact his power as he wills. It's the same word that's used with Jesus Christ having dominion and authority over the kingdom of light. What we read here is that Satan, our enemy, has been given dominion. He has been given the right and the power to rule over those who are in darkness, who are not in the light. And so what is the dominion like? It's dark. It's the dominion of darkness. And again, like to try to unpack what this word means. It's not just a basic sense of darkness or the fear that would, would come in being in the darkness, but it's much broader than that. It's an experience of enveloping fear. It's, a, it's an experience that, that brings anxiety and turmoil to all of our life. It's an experience that, that prevents us from seeing at all what is true and what is real. If illumination of Christ and the Spirit opens our eyes, being in the sphere and the dominion of darkness shuts us down. There's no way we can become who we're created to be or do what we're created to do or have any possible hope for finding life or of experiencing love if we are operating under the dominion of Satan and his realm of darkness. That should terrify you. 
For those that you know who don't know Jesus, there is no hope. There is no power in the person who is in this realm to escape. There is no no chance that there's a loophole that they will get out. There is no possible way, unless they are rescued, that they will ever survive. There is no hope. What's so powerful about this is that when we understand the depths of the darkness that we've been rescued and the beauty that we have been transferred in the kingdom of light, all of our life then should be positioned in a way and should be positioned in a way that glorifies God. But we don't see, I don't think we see it like this. I think we see it as the people who are in the realm of darkness, well, they just don't know believe. They're kind of like, they're half good. They have a good heart. They're nice. They're kind. No, they are operating under the influence of the enemy in the domain and the dominion of darkness. There is no hope for them. It's like this. I'm going to lighten this up because you guys are getting all scared and stuff. It would be like this. Like if I was walking around, this is me in the dominion of darkness. Now, you might have friends like this, and every once in a while, you'll see them bump into something. Oh, that's kind of funny. He can't see nothing. But what if I was running around the room, and I was bumping into it, and hurting, getting hurt, and getting hurt, and getting hurt? Oh, oh, I can't move. What am I doing? Or whatever. Eventually, you would have pity and sorrow, but it's more than that. This restricts me from doing anything. I can't see anyone. I can't do nothing. I can do nothing. Imagine this weight a ton and it just would eventually cripple me and cripple me and cripple me until I could not do anything. And it's not until God, it's going to mess up my hair, lift up. It's not until God lifts the blanket off of us. It's not until God takes that off of us that we have any chance of seeing So any lie that you believe about people who don't know Jesus, that they are good people, or that they have a good heart, or that they have good intentions, is a lie. Because they're operating under this dominion, this darkness. It's why this father was so distraught about his daughter. But we have been transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. First Peter 2, 9 and 10 says this about those of us who have been rescued. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, rescued unto himself, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. Sound familiar in that song? For the sake of the world, set me on fire that I would proclaim the excellencies of the one who has rescued me. Who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people. Once you were nothing. When you were in the kingdom of darkness, you were nothing. But now... You are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. With that reality in mind, we can now go back to the beginning of the scripture and find out what is God really trying to say here? What does it really mean? What is Paul really after? Why is he praying for us to have wisdom, 
What is it that Paul prayed for? He asked, asking that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul's primary petition, petition was that God would fill us with the knowledge of his will. Fill, that we would be filled with knowledge. The first suggests that we would be filling to completeness, that we're on this journey of being filled. We are filled with the Spirit, but we are being filled with the Spirit. And then one day, we will be fully filled with the the knowledge of God. We'll be fully complete in that. But we're on this journey of being filled. And Paul's prayers fill them, Lord, more knowledge, more understanding. And the latter suggests the knowledge he's talking about is the deep, deep revelation of who God is a deep revelation, a deep understanding of the knowledge of God. But then Paul adds, how does this happen? Through all spiritual wisdom. Not worldly wisdom, not discipline, not your work, not your effort, not your attempt to become smarter, not your attempt to become more educated, more theological. It comes from spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding which speaks of the ability to follow God, to make decisions based on God's promises, to make decisions that are consistent with his will. Such knowledge of God's will does not come from the fleshly mind, but from the Holy Spirit who enlightens a believer's inner person. Now what does worldly wisdom do? It puffs us up with pride, doesn't it? What does worldly knowledge do? It puffs us up with pride, doesn't it? And pride is what? The root of all evil. Send us back in that tailspin of believing that we actually might have had something to do with rescuing or being rescued. And we know that it was God, only God, who could do that. It's only God who can fill us with this knowledge, who can fill us to the top, who can fill us with a deeper understanding of the Father. It's only in the Spirit of God. He's the only one who can do it because he desires to be the one who gets the glory. He desires the one who we bring attention to. So that's what Paul prayed for, a filling through the spirit of more knowledge and understanding of the Father all the way up. Speaks of a journey. But why did Paul pray it? Why is it important that we're filled with the knowledge of God? And this goes back to the series that we're in. Don't be drunk in wine. Or don't be drunk in wine, but be drunk in the spirit. Watch the way that you walk. Be, be aware of how you're walking. Actions, behaviors matter to God. So as to walk, he says, this is why you need to be filled. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge. We need to be filled so that we bear fruit. Paul's aim in this petition was practical in order that all of our life, every area of our life, we would be living more and more and more consistently in a way that was the way God wanted us to live, the way that God designed us to live, a way that would bring life to the full, life everlasting. When we're filled with knowledge and wisdom that comes from the Spirit, we should begin to naturally act different. What Paul is after is this reality. As God fills you with his spirit and the knowledge of him, you should begin to naturally bear fruit. Naturally walk in a way that is supernatural. 
naturally show the world who God is and the excellency of the one who saved you. When it says that we begin to act in a way that is worthy to the word, to the Lord. Worthy means of equal weight. Our lives should begin to look equal to Jesus. Our lives should begin to look equal to the one who saved us. Why? Because we've been saved from the kingdom of darkness and now we're living in the kingdom of light. And someone who is living in the kingdom of light will begin to look like the light. Where there is light, there is no darkness. And so the journey that Paul's talking about here is the journey of us becoming more and more like Jesus. Being transformed by the Spirit. We naturally begin to bear this fruit. It's why, it's the first time I really understood when Paul uses the analogy, don't be drunk on wine. But what happens to a person who starts to drink? Whether they mean to or not, they start to act drunk. I don't care who you are. If you drink enough, you're naturally going to act drunk. You're going to be drunk. And you're going to, as hard as you try, you are going to act differently than people who are not drunk. Right? Now, if you're bigger than others, you might have to drink a little more, but eventually you're going to start to stumble around. Eventually you're going to start to slur your words. Eventually you're going to start to make bad decisions. Well, the, act, the exact opposite is going on here. Right? That's what Paul's saying. As you are filled with the Spirit, filled with the knowledge of God, guess what's going to happen? You're not going to have to try to act differently. You're going to act differently. It doesn't work like this. Oh, I need to please God. Oh, I want to work in, uh, I want to walk in a way that's worthy of the Lord. Uh, does he really love me? Well, I better pull on the bootstraps. Better start being disciplined. Better start doing this. Better start doing that. And then God will fill me with the Spirit. And then, no, no, that's backwards. That is the exact opposite. That's being filled with worldly ambition and wisdom and desire. And I just blogged about this, didn't I? And all our type A people said, amen. All our type B people said, yes, I knew it. (laughs) Bearing fruit and increasing in knowledge go hand in hand. As we are being transformed by the spirit and wisdom and knowledge, we begin to act differently. We start growing. There is growth that occurs. It looks like bearing fruit and walking in a way that is worthy and equal to the way that Jesus walked, fully pleasing to him. Paul's saying, in all of your life, God desires transformation and change. All of your life, there's room to be filled. All of your life, I wanna change you, to transform you, to growing from my glory, bearing fruit from my glory. Every good work, so people will be drawn to me, the one who has rescued you from the domain of darkness. What happens when we do this? When you see a drunk person stumbling down the road, you take notice, don't you? You gotta explain that to your children. You ever have to do that? Dad, why is that man stumbling? Why is he, what's he doing? What in the world? He's stumbling all around. He looks silly. He looks foolish. He looks, is he crazy? What's going on with him? That should be the world's response to us. What in the world? 
How are they able to endure that? How do they have that much patience? I can't believe they're acting that way. That sounds crazy. Are they drunk? Are people having that response to our life, to the way that we are living because we're filled and we're drunk on the spirit of God? And the last thing, Paul says what he's praying for, why he's praying for it. How does this happen? And I've already mentioned it. He says it happens and he prays that you would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience and joy. Being strengthened with all his power. In this line, there's three different, there's three different Greek words here that demonstrate power. I'm not gonna go through them all, but they're all different and they're all amazing. But what's important about them is they're all God-centered. They're all God-started. They're all God-empowering. Not one of them has to do with our ability. None of them. All three words. There's other places that Paul talks about that. But in this verse, when we're looking at the how does this happen that we're able to endure and be patient, it goes back to God. It goes back to the Spirit. It goes back to us being filled with His power, His strength, so that we can become who God's created us to be and bear the fruit that He's called us to bear. And the result is that it produces something in us. Great endurance. Great patience. We've talked about what those are. But with all the fruit of the Spirit. I was given this talk. We're driving home from Tampa at a wedding last night. Half past crazy late. And I was working. Laura was driving. I was telling her the sermon. She's like, it seems like you just keep coming back to the spirits when you talk about the fruit. You keep bringing us back to this reality that without the Holy Spirit, like none of this happens. None of the fruit is produced in our life. None of this grows without God's strength. I was like, I know. I'm just trying to have integrity and preach what the word preaches. It'd be easy for me just to say, now go and do this, church. But there is no formula for this. It's born out of a desire, a reality that we are children of the light of which we've been rescued from darkness. So I'm going to position my life to burn for all the world to see. And to do that, I need to be filled with the Spirit. But there's no shortcut. There's no formula. There's no system. There's no program. There's no book that you can read to make this happen. It is time with the Spirit. It is time with the Lord. In whatever way you need to connect, find it and connect. It is being disciplined for the purpose of being filled. And without discipline, you cannot be filled. The discipline in how we live and how we act is important. What's important about this passage, again, and I talked about this two weeks ago, is the power of transformation. If there's any hope for us to endure and to be patient, it comes from the Spirit of God and the power of God. So if we want to endure, we want to be patient, we want to walk in a way that is worthy and pleasing to the Lord, bearing much fruit, what do we need to do, River City Church? Experience the Spirit of the living God. What do we need to do if we want to experience his love? We have to, if we want to give love to others, well, we got to go spend time with the Spirit. What do we want to do if we want to experience the joy of the Lord? We have to spend time with the Spirit. What do we want to do if there's any hope for us to have peace? It comes from the Spirit of God. It comes from God. Whose power? God's power. Makes what happen? You strong. 
gives you endurance in all the fruit and all the gifts. For what purpose? So that we can be patient and endure. Who? People who are stumbling around in the dominion and domain of darkness with no hope, who are perishing and going to hell for eternity and cannot rescue themselves if they are not rescued by the living God and to eternal light and the beloved fellowship of Jesus Christ. And who will do that as we are empowered and strengthened? We will. We are the only ones. It is only God in us that have, brings hope to the world. Antley, why would I ever do that? Why would I leverage my life or my kids' lives for this? Why not fame, power, and glory, and comfort in the world? Why risk everything? If you have to ask that question, you don't believe the last verse that we started with because the Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. He has delivered you from the domain of darkness and transformed you and transferred you into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom you have redemption. If you have to ask the question, why should I leverage my life for the kingdom of God? Then you don't understand the darkness and the sphere of the enemy that you've been rescued from. Because when we do, our desire is to bring people and to show people the beauty and the glory and the awesomeness of who God is. Let's stand. When we were praying this morning, um, so we were praying for the service, and there was a real sense, as, as David talked about, about people coming out of the cave into the light. And we were saying about this reality as well, the work that Christ has done in our life to bring us into the light, into wholeness, into healing. And today's talk is about how that happens. It happens through the Spirit of God. It happens by experiencing the Spirit of God. But a lot of us really struggle with experiencing God, don't we? A lot of us are hungry. We want to experience we want to have an experience of God's love for us. And as I was praying about this talk and what that might look like for those of us that struggle with experiencing God, what does it mean to experience God? It means that we are positioning ourselves in a way to be filled not only with intuitive, powerful feelings, but what Paul's talking here is that we are filled with knowledge. We are filled with wisdom that not only is our heart responding to the openness of God and the truth of God, but our mind is brought into freedom as well. And so the invitation is not just for the people who you know, have an ability and a blessing of feeling God's intuitively, his emotional connection with us, but it's also the invitation of us and those of us that struggle with feeling coming into his presence and our minds being filled with wisdom and knowledge of God so that our hearts can be transformed. So the invitation is to both. That's why we're a church. We're, we're so, so many of us are so different. And it can be frustrating for those of us who don't feel God when we come forward for ministry to stop coming forward for ministry. But I think this morning, God wants to release knowledge, release wisdom, of which the fruit is the same for the person that feels God. It's freedom and it's fruit bearing and it's 
understanding and life that comes through God impacting and revealing truth to our mind. And so, if you would like to experience God this morning, either emotionally connect with him, I need to experience being rescued by the Father unto his arms and to himself. I need to be reminded that I belong to him. I need to be encouraged by that. I want to leverage my life for the world, but I just really struggle with that. Then come forward for ministry. But if you're someone who doesn't readily feel God, maybe this morning you will. Maybe this morning you have an emotional experience with God. You'll have a a connection that you've longed for, but you haven't had. But come forward. Because if you don't, you won't, for sure. But come forward and ask God to open your mind, to fill your mind with knowledge and wisdom that comes from his spirit. So again, the fruit is the same of both groups, that you would bear fruit and walk in a way that is equal to the way that Christ walked. So if you'd like prayer, come down. If our ministry team can come down too, that'd be great. If our worship team could come down as well. Anybody else who wants to come down. If you're somebody that feels like I'm the guy under the blanket or I'm the girl under the blanket, I ended up here this morning, I just realized, oh my word, I haven't been rescued into the kingdom of light. I I want to know Jesus. I've known religion. I've been disciplined all my life, but I haven't experienced this power, this life, this freedom that you've talked about today. I want Jesus to lift the veil. I want Jesus to rescue me. Come down. Go over to the cross area over there and our prayer ministers will pray with you to receive Jesus this morning to be transformed into the kingdom of Jesus.